have to master is effective communication. Effective communication. The task of correctly sharing a thought from our heart or mind to another person is incredibly complicated and is riddled with problems from start to finish. To begin with, we have to understand what we ourselves think in our hearts and our minds. The scripture says that the heart is deceptive above all things. You can understand it. But once we understand what we want to say, then we actually have to speak it. We have to say those words. And yet, no man can tame the tongue. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. But once we've said what we want to say, we're only halfway there. The other person has to hear what we've said correctly. And yet we are all too often quick to speak and slow to listen. We are distracted. We are unfocused. But then once we've heard it, we have to interpret it. We have to understand it correctly. But we all come with our own biases, our own understanding of the way that the world works. We have our own emotional interpretation of how we handle things and we interpret what we hear through that particular lens. And it is such a complicated process to communicate and so error prone that it is remarkable that we're able to communicate anything at all. And yet where that is seems at least possible, how much more difficult is it for us to receive accurate communication from the Almighty God? Scripture says that God is a God who speaks, and yet can we hear him? And even when we can hear him, it's not audible. It's not, we're not physically in his presence. We don't have the benefit of his body language or his facial expressions to properly understand what he's saying. Can we really understand what God has to say. Scripture says that his thoughts are so much higher than ours. He is the infinite creator with infinite wisdom, infinite in his knowledge. And we are finite. We are created. We are growing. We are in many ways foolish. Seems Certainly seems impossible to properly have a right understanding of what God would share with us. And beloved, what Scripture declares is apart from God's gracious work, it would be impossible. It is impossible. But it's for that reason that God has given to us His Spirit. He has given us His Spirit so that we might understand His purposes and will and wisdom. And this is incredibly important because... Our salvation depends upon it. Our eternal life depends upon it. We receive the things of God by faith, which means that we must hear them. We must understand them. We must grab hold of them, and we must walk in them. And so we are a people who must receive God's word and walk in it. We must have this wisdom. And what this passage tells us, beloved, the good news is that God has given us his spirit 
so that we might understand and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, students, as we read through this, you probably heard the Apostle Paul talking about the natural person and the spiritual person. Let's just simplify what that means. The spiritual person is not some super spiritual holy man. That's referring to a person to whom God has graciously given his Holy Spirit. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God says that he gives us his spirit, and that spirit dwells within us. That is the spiritual person that he talks about. The natural person is the person who has not yet received the spirit of Christ. That is apart from Christ. And as we look at these two individuals throughout this passage, we can see the work that the Spirit does to give us understanding into the things of God and how the Spirit works to effectively communicate these things. We see three key works that the Spirit does. The, it is, we were, the, the, the wisdom of God is revealed to us by the Spirit. The, Spirit, the wisdom of God is understood by the Spirit. And finally, the wisdom of God is imparted by the Spirit. And so we'll, we'll take a look at each of these in turn. First, the, the wisdom of God is revealed uh, by the Spirit. Apart from God's grace, beloved, apart from the working of the Spirit, we cannot know God's wisdom. Apostle Paul talks about two kinds of wisdom in this passage. He talks about a wisdom of this age and then a wisdom of God. The wisdom of this age is the wisdom. You know this wisdom. This is the, this is the wisdom that you have known your entire life. It's the wisdom of this world that you have been born into. It's the air that we breathe. It's the wisdom that is proclaimed by every man, woman, child, and institution in the world. This is a wisdom of, well, it probably manifests in lots of different ways throughout the ages, but Ultimately, it's a wisdom of self, at least it is in our day and age, a wisdom of self-discovery, of self, um, self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, and self-indulgence. It's a wisdom that says that you must look for truth within yourself. Only you can know the real truth. Dig deep. Introspect. You'll understand it. And... While we're at it, you don't really need anybody else. You can sufficiently accomplish all that you need to do on your own. You are enough. You are your own island. And as a result, since you don't need anybody else, since you can determine the wisdom, you can be good enough if you simply work hard enough, if you try hard enough, or at least you can be good enough on your own terms, which is okay because you're the one that determines what is good, what is bad. And because you've probably judged yourself good through your own means, you really deserve what is good. Indulge. This is the only life that you have. Make the most of it. It's a wisdom of self. And there's certainly an appeal that each one of us is drawn to, isn't there? But there's a deficiency in this wisdom, and it's the source of the wisdom. 
Paul says that this is uh, not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. This wisdom comes from those who are doomed to pass away. It is insufficient. By contrast, there is another wisdom that is superior because it is coming from God, the infinite God, God who created even this age and the rulers of this age. He proclaims that this is truth. But we don't understand it apart from his work. It is a, is a wisdom that is superior because it preceded this age. It is a wisdom which God decreed before the ages. And it is a wisdom that succeeds this age because it is a wisdom that is for our glory. A wisdom that enables us to experience glory. And it's a secret wisdom it's a secret and hidden wisdom that Paul says. I mean, we all have secrets, some intentionally and some unintentionally. You have thoughts in your mind and in your heart, and unless you reveal those, no, no one would know except for you and God. Even the most transparent person, the most effulgent person who speaks their mind, wears their heart on their sleeve, has secrets. They might not even know. Intentions of their heart. So it is with God. We were created in his image. God himself has thoughts that unless he speaks, no one would know. That is this secret and hidden wisdom that God has decreed. And none of the rulers of this age understood this. In fact, no one understands these things unless God speaks, unless God reveals. But we, we need to know this wisdom, beloved, because this is wisdom that is for our good. See what it says in verse 9. As it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine. No one could have imagined the wisdom of God in the wisdom of the cross. But it's for our good. This is for what God has prepared for those who love him, what he's prepared from all eternity. But then he says in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. The Spirit has revealed these truths to us through the ordained means that God has given, through his very word. He has opened up the mind of God and given us insight into God's eternal plan for our good. And so the Spirit reveals the wisdom of God to us. But the second part about, about it is that the wisdom of God is understood by the Spirit. Apart from the Spirit of grace, we cannot even understand the, the wisdom that is from God. If God speaks, if someone speaks but we don't understand it, it is of no use to us. No doubt you've heard someone speaking in a foreign language and you had no idea what they were saying. There was no benefit to you 
for what they were saying. Even when we speak in our own language, there's sometimes lack of benefit. Uh, I've told some of you this story, but on one occasion, my wife and I had an opportunity to spend a couple days in London on our way to another place. And after an overnight flight, we landed in Heathrow, we got our bags, and we headed to the, the tube ticket booth to buy our tickets so we could make it to our hotel. And we had never been in London before. We didn't know how the currency worked or how the tube, and we were standing there kind of confused. And a woman came up and very quickly said, are you chappies in the queue? And Andre and I looked at each other with this confused look on our face and said, well, this is England. That's probably English. What did she just say? And, I, and then I said, ah, she's asking if we're in line. No, we're not in line. Go ahead. So often we speak with words that we understand, and we, we don't understand the, the message behind it. And beloved, that is, the, that is the case with God's word. He speaks to us in our own native tongue, and he uses concepts which should make sense, and yet we fail to grasp them. And it's not a matter of word choice. Um, obviously, for those of us who have tried to read the King James Version, some of us love it. So some of us have difficulty with that language. That's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. It's not a matter of these and thous and thines, which are causing the confusion. And it's, it's not even a question of the theological language that we use, the justification, sanctification, glorification, all of which are important concepts for us to understand. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the basic truths of our faith the very wisdom of the cross itself. Basic truths such as this book written over thousands of years by multiple authors came to us through the inspiration of God himself working through human people. Truths such as the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, becoming an infant a human being and walking in this life clothed with humanity and garbed as a human for all eternity. The wisdom of a perfect man laying down his life as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice for his people and being raised to new life and ascended into heaven to rule over his creation. These things, beloved, are the things, the wisdom of God that is beyond understanding. Oh, I mean, we might understand, the natural man might understand the words that you're saying and the concepts, but it's foolishness, Paul says. Isn't that what he says? He says, um, they, they are, they're folly to him. He can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And every one of us has tried to explain something difficult to someone else and has had that difficult interaction where we're trying to get the other person to understand what we're trying to explain. And with the things of this world, it's probably just a matter of time before we could give a proper amount of information. But that's not the case with spiritual things, beloved. 
apart from this, the working of God's Spirit, it, our words are as effective as speaking to dead and dry bones. It is a useless endeavor. They will never understand. Which, beloved, ought to make you rejoice. Because if you understand the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ, if you have assented to this fact that Jesus Christ came for you and laid down his life for you, and you are clinging to the hope of that, that is work. That is, that is evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. And that is a gift of God by his sovereign and good pleasure. He has revealed these things to you. And he's given you understanding so that you might live. And beloved, he, he is, when, we, when we struggle to explain something, when we struggle to get somebody to understand something, we, we understand what we're trying to convey. And if only we could give a part of our spirit to someone else, a, a part of our mind, then they might understand what we're trying to get across. And what Paul says is that that is what God has done. He says, we have the mind of Christ. He has given us his spirit so that we might properly interpret his wisdom. We might properly hear it and we might live in it. That's good news. The third thing, the, the, the third work that the Spirit does in this act of communication is that the wisdom of God is imparted by the Spirit of God. By the Spirit, we share that wisdom. This may seem counterproductive. I don't know if this seems counterproductive to you. It seems a little counterproductive to me. If the natural man will never understand the things of God, and we have received an understanding of God's wisdom, why would we ever waste our time with sharing the wisdom of God? They'll never understand it. They'll never understand it. Should we only speak to those people who already believe in the gospel of grace? But we, get, we have these commands in Scripture about go and make disciples. How, how does that ever possibly work? The Apostle Paul said in Romans, he said, faith comes by hearing. And here in, in 1 Corinthians, right there in verse 6, he says, among the mature we do impart wisdom. We impart wisdom. There's a transfer of wisdom that happens. And he says later um, that these he, he imparts with words. Where is it? Verse 13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Hear what he's saying. He's saying that Paul received the wisdom of God. He spoke the words, but as he spoke, the Spirit taught. The Spirit used Paul's speech to communicate this wisdom, and it was received. It was imparted by those to whom God had given the Spirit. And beloved, I think we fail to comprehend the power of the Spirit 
that God has put into you and me. I know that I deny this power in my own life far too often. If you, you may know the story from the book of Ezekiel of Ezekiel and the dry bones, the valley of the dry bones. What happened was the Lord took Ezekiel to this valley and there's all these dry bones and the Lord says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Now, if that was me, I think I would just simply give the obvious answer. No, Lord, these are dry bones. These, these were alive, but they're dead. They're dry, dead bones. Don't live. Can't happen. Ezekiel's answer was much wiser than mine. He just said, you know, Lord. You know. And I don't think he was being wishy-washy. I think Ezekiel recognized that God's power and his plan and his purposes are far greater than even we can ever imagine. He just said, you know, Lord. And the Lord's answer to Ezekiel was, Ezekiel, prophesy to those dead bones. Speak to the dry bones. How pointless is that? They're dead dry bones. What is Ezekiel's words going to do? To these bones. Specifically, what the Lord said was, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And Ezekiel did. He prophesied to those bones, and that very thing happened. Those bones gained flesh, stood up, and became alive. And beloved, that same life-giving spirit that was in Ezekiel is in you and me by faith. That's what happened at Pentecost. That's what happened at Pentecost. Jesus poured out his spirit and what happened in that story? These people who didn't understand the wisdom of God in the cross received the understanding of what Christ had done and how God had accomplished salvation in Jesus Christ. And they gained the understanding in order to communicate it. Peter, who had been confused and couldn't stop putting his foot in his mouth in all the Gospels, now stands up and proclaims with boldness, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was imparted. The people there, if we had read further in Acts chapter 2, they cried out, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit attended his word, and was spread through the church. And beloved, that same spirit has been passed from generation to generation through the faithful ministry of God's word. God works through that word. And even to today, as you and I speak the word of God, share the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ, God's spirit breathes life into our hearers. The Spirit works. Now, that, I do not mean that we have the power to save. 
We do not have the power to save. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and he will not have mercy on those whom he wishes to withhold mercy. The natural person, we might speak the hope of the gospel and foolishness, folly. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm not going to trust in it. And yet, God commands us to speak. And at the same time, we can't prevent God's grace from happening. God will save each and every one of his chosen people. It just may not be through you and I if we are not faithful. But why wouldn't we be faithful? Why wouldn't we speak of the hope that we have? God has given to us the privilege and the honor of being agents, vessels, instruments of his grace. He promises to speak through us as we share his word to those people that desperately need it. And beloved, this is a work of eternal significance. How could we not give ourselves to it? And so as we consider those three things that the, the Spirit does in this work of communicating the wisdom of God, it's right for us to, to consider how we ought to properly respond in these ways. So we'll consider three, three ways that we should respond. First is, since the Spirit reveals God's wisdom, we ought to receive that wisdom through the means that God provides. The Spirit speaks through God's word. God has given to us his very word. His wisdom is here and it's a message that proclaims the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. All of scripture from Genesis to Revelation proclaims this gospel of Jesus Christ that was God's eternal plan to save a people for himself. It's the wisdom of the cross, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, that is the power of God to save us. And so, beloved, if you have never truly heard the message of the gospel, if you've never truly received that message and understood it, then understand this, the Spirit urges you to believe in the message, the, the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ, namely this, that God sent his Son to lay down his life for you and for me, to pay the penalty for us that we might dwell with him forever and ever as his beloved children in, in glory with no pain or sadness, but merely basking in the glow of his love forever and ever. The Spirit urges you, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We ought to receive, we must receive this wisdom of God. It's very, our very life. Second, um, since the Spirit grants understanding, we must grow in our understanding. Just as a, an infant is, is, must grow and mature their, throughout their life, so we who have been given spiritual birth must grow in our wisdom. Paul says, or it says elsewhere in Scripture, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and God gives us means to do so. 
God, the Spirit works through the preached word of God. The Spirit works through the private reading and study of his word. The Spirit works through the communal study of God's word. All of those are necessary for us to grow in our understanding of God's wisdom. We'll never plumb the depths of the wisdom that God has for us. And finally, since the Spirit imparts his grace through his servants, we must speak. We must share that hope that we have in Christ. Brothers and sisters, for those of us who have the gift of being parents, when we speak God's word to our children, we are imparting God's wisdom to them that they might grow wise. Share God's word and the message of the gospel with those who do not know Christ, that they might receive this wisdom, for the Spirit works through his people. Share it with those who already do have this, that they might grow in their wisdom. And as we do, the Spirit imparts wisdom to us as we struggle through that process of understanding God's word so that we can communicate it. God imparts it to us, that wisdom, and imparts it to, the, to our hearers. And brothers and sisters, that is glorious. But to that point, who really gets the glory? Who really gets the glory? I mean, verse, verse uh, 7 says that God decreed this wisdom before the ages for our glory. There is an element that we receive glory in this work because God has graciously allowed us to be co-laborers with Christ. He's using our voices, our minds, our hearts to share this wisdom with another person. We glory in the salvation that is ours in, in this message of the cross. There's, our glory is certainly present, but more than that, beloved, isn't it true that the Spirit gets the glory? Because apart from the Spirit, we would never understand. Apart from the Spirit, our words would be useless. And apart from the Spirit, no one would ever receive what we're saying. But isn't it true that more than that, that the Son gets the glory? Because the Holy Spirit is His Spirit. The message of the cross is the message of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. He is our wisdom. But above all that, it's the Father who gets the glory because this plan, this glorious plan, was his, decreed before the ages for our glory. This, it was his Son that he chose to send to redeem and rescue us for his own glory. It was his spirit that he sent at the request of his son. And it is his choice to use weak and foolish vessels like you and me as part of his redemptive and glorious purposes as co-laborers with Christ. And beloved, when one day when we have a victor's crown placed on our head for our faithfulness to Christ in proclaiming this gospel of grace and remaining true to the end. No doubt each one of us will line up and throw our victor's crown at his feet, the feet of his throne of grace, and says, and we will sing, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you be all the glory. 
because God indeed is glorious. Beloved, you, you, never, you and I, we never have to wonder what God is thinking. We never have to wonder what God's plan is because God has revealed to us his plan through his word by his spirit. And we don't have to wonder, you don't have to wonder what God is thinking about you because this is what he has prepared for you and for me who love him. He's revealed it in this wisdom of the cross. Beloved, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you hear that? Do you hear that message? That's, that's there because the Spirit was at work to bring us that message. Do you understand that message? It's because the Spirit has been at work in you to accept those things. Can you believe it? Can you trust in it? Can you rest in Jesus Christ for salvation? If so, beloved, praise God because God himself has graciously given you of his own spirit that you might hear it, understand it, receive it, believe it, and live. And brothers and sisters, such a God as this is worthy of our eternal praise. Let's pray together. Father, your son said, thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and powerful, but you've revealed them to little children. And we are your children. We are so thankful, Father, that you have revealed your love and your grace to us. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your abundant wisdom and mercy and grace that are ours in total. Help us to praise you with hearts full of gladness and joy. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.